Some of us have made things entirely too complicated. You came to Jesus with just a simple heart that says, yes. And then you spend time with Jesus and then it gets all complicated. All these, well, this didn't happen and that didn't happen. And what about this? And Why didn't that happen? It reminds me of what Paul told the church in Corinth in his second letter. He said, but I fear as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so might you taken away from the simplicity that's in Christ. Blame is such an easy way out. No one really wants to take ownership of their failures and flaws, but it's necessary in order to grow. As we'll hear today, that's especially true when it comes to our spiritual lives. There is a way out of that slump, though, and it begins with just doing the simple things you're asked to do. You wouldn't expect a first-year med student to perform surgery. You have to work your way to spiritual maturity. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, The Greatest is Love. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love is all you need. Sounds like a hit to me. You think? Yeah. That great English theologian, not sure how biblically solid it was. <laughs> but here's the thing. We all know that that phrase is true, except for the fact that you need to define what love actually is. Think about it. How many of you love chocolate cake? Do you think chocolate cake thinks that you love it? No, it doesn't, right? Because you loving chocolate cake involves the destruction of chocolate cake. So you may really enjoy chocolate cake, but I don't think the chocolate cake feels much love from you at all. Can you imagine ending up in your stomach, all those gastric juices, just eating it? Yeah. No love at all, right? See, because love is the will of a person for someone else's betterment. And when you think about what love is, we realize that Jesus loves perfectly and you and I, well, not so much. Jesus' love wills the betterment not only of you as an individual, but us as a global society, us as humanity. And God's design for us in love is to let Jesus set that pace for us. And for each one of us, Love is something that no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, no matter how long you've been alive, the old dog always needs to learn new tricks, so to speak. Because none of us have arrived there. That's the great pursuit, adventure of the Christian life. 
No matter how many years you've been walking with Jesus, there is still learning to be done. And the people of God realize that. And that's why humility is one of the primary characteristics of the people of God. Because as long as you have walked with Jesus, you realize there's still so far to go. None of us have loved perfectly this weekend or even this morning. But God's love is transformational. And we've been studying 1 Corinthians 13 with an eye to say, God, I want to grow in love. I want your love to be poured out on my heart by the Holy Spirit, that I would see what real biblical love is and that I would be changed to be like it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're closing out our greatest series in 1 Corinthians 13. So open up your Bibles there. 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to be picking up in verse 11 as we close out this great chapter. If you're new to the Bible, I want you to open it up because the Bible is God's word. And God's word challenges all of us, all of us. So we want you, I, don't, I want you to be able to read it, be able to say, okay, this is where it says that. So open up those Bibles, 1 Corinthians. It's in what we call the New Testament. It's about the last third of your Bible. You'll have, when you get to the New Testament, you have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then the, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And then you have Paul's letter. First you have Romans. Then you have 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read the whole chapter to you, though. It's a beautiful chapter. We'll just close it out with the last three verses. So it begins in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part will be done away with. And now our passage for today when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face, now I know in part. 
But then I shall know, just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. If we take away nothing from this series, let it those last few words be the only thing you remember. The greatest of these is love. God's love for you is beyond comprehension. That's what the Apostle Paul tells the church in Ephesus. That no matter how much of God's love we understand, it is still beyond the grasp of a finite mind. And every single day we should say, God, enlarge my heart to receive your love and to give your love out in like manner. The Holy Spirit has been given so that we would be able to experience God's love and know that it's his love. And that also that we might give it out. That's why Jesus is so important. Many, many people have tried to walk in love without the spirit with whose fruit is love. And you might love for a moment or a time, but not abiding. You can't do it on your own. You can do a lot on your own, but not that. But if we jump into the text now, I have three simple points for you. One for each verse. Notice what it says in verse 11. It says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, here's our first point is this. You need to expect growth. You need to expect growth. See, the Apostle Paul had been talking about the contrast between what is partial and then what is complete. Do you remember what he had said just previously? For we know in part and we prophesy in part. He said, listen, all the spiritual gifts of which 1 Corinthians 13 is part of this section from 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, it's about the spiritual gifts where love is the main point. He's saying, listen, the spiritual gifts are good, but they are partial. They are impermanent. They're temporary. But love is eternal. Now he takes that same picture of what is partial as compared to what is complete. And now he puts it into human terms. He's saying, look, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I acted as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He's saying in the natural world, in your life and in my life, just as a child is understanding and speaking and thinking, there comes a day when you put away those childish things. Now, I'm here to tell you, my friends, that you need to expect growth. Because check this out. You're always growing. You never stop growing. But just because you're getting older does not mean that you are maturing. You get that, right? Just because you are getting older does not mean that you're maturing. And many of us here today know what it's like to be able to look back at the past and say, that was when my heart was soft. That was when my love for God was sweet. And now I'm just kind of bitter and crusty. 
And that's an example of getting older, but not truly maturing spiritually. But just as a child, you expect the child to grow, you should expect yourself to grow. You know, we have a a five-month-old at our home. I'm excited. We have baby dedications next Sunday. I'm going to get to dedicate little Annabelle to the Lord with a bunch of other babies here at Crossroads. But when Annabelle was born, of course, she was born, it was great labor and delivery. She was perfect. But right away, the doctor got concerned because she lost her normal, the weight that you normally lose, but then she didn't put it back on. And it was very trying. It was scary. We went to the doctors a lot. And the doctor would show us our baby Annabelle's weight based on a normal curve that the average child exists. And what was amazing is she was, she looked great. She was responding perfectly, but her weight was, she was in like the zero percentile. And we would go there and the doctor's like, look, I would normally be really concerned and I am, but she looks great and she's responding well and she's feeding well and all this stuff. See, the doctor expected our daughter to have that normal curve where you have a little dip after you are born and you're getting used to nursing and then before you know it, it takes off. But it took about a month. And because Annabelle did not hit her stride for a month, it was abnormal for our doctor. And he was concerned. He did all the things a good doctor does. He took, ran all these tests. Everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, in a month, Annabelle found her appetite. And then she's off to the races. Now, I share that story because the doctor expects a newborn baby to hit a certain growth curve. And I believe that as children of God, there is a growth curve for us. That God's design for you is not only to save you, but he wants you to be growing. And growth takes energy. It takes intentionality. It takes discipline. I mean, you think about a little baby. God bless moms who get up in the middle of the night. It takes a commitment on the part of a mom to say, I'm going to care for this child to my own detriment. Lack of sleep. See, we should expect growth. As kids get older, of course, it's so funny. My kids are so fun, and they're total kids. They act like kids. I got, I got stories. Oh, man. They think like kids. It's a beautiful thing. One of my favorite stories, Obadiah, we were living in the Bay Area still, so we moved up here a couple years ago. I went on a mission trip, and I came back, and they gave me like this little like kind of toiletries bag. And um, it was this little small thing. It had a, a thing around, and I gave it to Obadiah, and Obadiah thought it was really cool, and he was talking to his uncle, and his uncle told him that's a purse. It's a man purse. And Obadiah thought that that was pretty cool. And he was like, yeah, that's my purse. And he'd wear it around his, his neck. And Obadiah was learning about money. And I'll never forget it because Obadiah, I'd get like pennies. And I'd be like, here's some money. And he'd be like, oh, and I'd, I'd bring him back money from when I'd be traveling. And he had all this money from all these different places. He thought it was all so cool. I'll never forget it because one day we pull up to the stoplight and there's a man holding a sign right next to us. And the sign says, anything will help. And I start looking around, and, and I don't have any money in my, in my wallet. I'm not going to pick up a few spare Cheetos on the floor. 
Because when you have, those of you who've raised kids, you know what it's like when you're ever hungry, just look in the mom's car and there's Cheetos and everything on the floor, half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwiches from about a week ago. You know how it is, right? Kind of nasty. You pray for us. You know, but Obadiah, all of a sudden, he reaches in his purse and he pulls out two dimes. He says, I want to give this to him. And my first thought is, man, we can't give this guy two dimes. I mean, like this poor dude. But I'm like, you know, I got to give Obadiah this moment, you know? And so literally, he took all the money out of his purse, his purse, I should say. He took all of his money out and he said, here you go. God bless you. And this is a four-year-old kid. Four-year-old kid. And I told him, like, sorry, that's all we have. That's, that's his money. And the guy looked at Obadiah and said, thank you so much. And then we rolled up the window, and I said, Obadiah, that was solid. I was very much like Jesus. He's like, when people have needs, we should help them if we can. So although he's a child, isn't that when Jesus said that we need to be like little children? We overthink so much of this stuff, don't we? Sometimes our maturing process actually needs to be going back to a childlike simplicity and innocence. I believe some of us have made things entirely too complicated. You came to Jesus with just a simple heart that says, yes. And then you spend time with Jesus, and then it gets all complicated. All these, well, this didn't happen, and that didn't happen. And what about this? And why didn't that happen? It reminds me of what Paul told the church in Corinth in his second letter. He said, but I fear as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so might you be taken away from the simplicity that's in Christ. We're all growing. We have to make sure that we are maturing spiritually. We have to make sure that we are blossoming in the things of God. And if we're not, we need to say, God, will you rearrange my life in such a way that I can? Like many, blaming is what we normally do when we're not growing, right? Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, you blame your spouse, you blame your job, you blame your lack of resources, you blame your abundant resources, you blame your mother-in-law or whatever. Really, what we should do is we should say, God, I'm going to do the simple things that I know that I'm supposed to do. Like the Lord told the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, what should you do? You should repent. Do the first works again. Go back to do what you used to do when you first got saved. You should return and you should rejoice. Remember when you first came to know Jesus and you were, you were at church early, you were ready to worship and you were pouring over the scriptures and your whole, maybe it was uh, cassette tapes or your, your CD player or your iPod or your streaming thing, whatever. It was just, there was worship music on and you were just excited about it. And every time the place was like, let's, we're going to serve. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go serve. Every time you found someone who had a need, you were there. I believe many of us need to go back and do the first works all over again. When we were young and naive in the things of God, but right in that sweet spot with him. I think one of the hardest things to do, I've been walking with the Lord now for 15 years, is to keep that young love alive. That love that's naive, 
that isn't jaded, that hasn't been hurt, that doesn't, doesn't realize that God isn't a, a cosmic vending machine who just gives me every Snickers and Skittles and Butterfingers that I want at every moment. But he's God, totally free, radical to do what he wants to do. And we just say, Lord, I'm just game, whatever it is. Oh, oh I just lost everything. Praise God. What are you going to do next, Lord? See, we should expect growth. And we do have a responsibility to be maturing. See, Paul says, look, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I acted like a child. But when I got up, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, as I was studying this, I did want to take a moment and say, listen, some of you need to put away childish things. Some of you are all grown up, but you're pretending like you're 14 still. You need to put away childish things. Now, I was going to get onto a whole thing about uh, guys and video games. <laughs> video games and trivial things are marketed to 20s and 30-year-old men because we live in a culture that doesn't value biblical manhood. Our culture does not want men to be godly leaders. They just want you to be a niche group that they could sell you the next shoot 'em up blow 'em up video game. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't play a video game, but if you are better at playing video games than you are about reading your Bible, serving the Lord, if you know sports scores better than you know biblical addresses, then it's all out of whack, man. Now, not just a dog on the men, you gals, it's not high school anymore. So like the drama of females in middle school and high school, we need to put that stuff away. You realize, see, I encourage you, experience 21st century America with a critical eye, with one eye in your Bible and another eye on the culture. See, not only have they perverted the way we look at men, they've also perverted the way we look at women. The, the single biggest profitable literary genre is mommy porn. It is. See, it, it's this soft core stuff for ladies. Fifty Shades of Grey. That's, guys ain't reading that. And it's, it's blowing up. Every, you go look at Amazon. I love to read books. And you go down the bestsellers and you're like, Wow. You're like, this is what people are reading. We need to put away childish things. We need to put away frivolous. I'm not saying we can't have fun. We're going to have more fun than ever. But it can't be based upon, yeah, I'm just reliving the glory days. For a long time, there's that whole thing about men having midlife crises when they realize that they're balding and they're spreading out. Right? And then all of a sudden, we need to ch- I need to get a sports car like I was 16 again. But you ain't 16. And praise God you're not 16 anymore. Man, some of us need to just put away childish things. And I believe that there's some of you here today, God's like, that's a childish thing. You need to get rid of that. Jesus is When there's a lack of growth in our spiritual lives, we tend to put the blame somewhere other than ourselves. That's what we heard as Pastor Daniel spoke about blossoming in the love of God, maturing and seeking to do the simple things he asks. 
We're so happy that you're a part of the Jesus is Real Radio family. Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. Your donations help make this possible. You can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift by text message. It's easy. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will explain how we should be present with all our hearts, even though we know as believers that heaven awaits. He can use you now, but it can be a challenge to embrace this life. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled The Greatest. Until then, may God bless.